0: Welcome back to the Move Against Cancer podcast, the show where we talk to brilliant guests to help support and inspire people that are affected by cancer. Visit our website, movecharity.org, for more information on the work that we do. I'm your host, Sophie, and in this episode, I'll be speaking with Dr. Sarah Swan, and today we'll talk to her about her story and her journey through living with and beyond cancer. Hi, Sarah, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Nice good. To see you. Yes, and you. It's a pleasure for us to obviously have you here on our podcast today. Um, I think for anyone who's listening who sort of doesn't know you or has, has not sort of checked out your book or your website, do you just want to give a little bit of background about who you are and what you do for a living? And and I think that'd be great. Yeah, sure.
1: Um. So, yeah, my name is Sarah Swan and I'm a clinical psychologist, Is is my profession. Um, But back in 2019, I was um, diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, so I've written a book about my personal and professional kind of experience of that. So writing about kind of how I found the whole emotional impact of, of breast cancer and the kind of psychological skills that I drew upon in order to help me to cope um because I kind of felt you know I was finding it difficult enough and you know I'm trained and have a lot of experience in thinking about emotional stuff and how we deal with it so I was kind of thinking gosh if I'm really struggling with this um how might it be for other people and maybe I've got something to to write about that that could help help others
0: Yeah absolutely and I think if we sort of take it back to obviously your work as a clinical psychologist what sort of made you go down that path because I I actually studied um, psychology at university Mm -hmm. and I got to the end of my first year um, and that was before um, I fell ill but um, it's obviously it is one of those topics which people think oh you can read minds and it's absolutely not like that at all so what's sort of your your sort of background and, and what made you want to want to go down that route?
1: Yeah I mean I think when I went to university I wasn't too sure what I wanted to do so I did a behavioural science degree which was sort of a combination of psychology and sociology and some philosophy but I soon began to find the psychology side of things more interesting um and then i i got a holiday job working at what was then a a hospital for people with learning disabilities um and uh, uh i was working on the wards with men with particularly challenging behavior and so that started to spark my interest in in psychology then but i think if you speak to my mom, she would say um, that I was always kind of an agony aunt um, to my friends. I was always on the phone. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, I, think, um, I always had that interest in, in supporting other people. Uh, and I guess, guess that sort of gradually started to grow as I was exposed to more psychology ideas.
0: Yeah, and you obviously, you sort of run your own. Is it is the word practice or what? Yeah. What is, I don't know. I'm not sure of the right terminology, but so that is sort of like, you, I suppose your life is you live through that for for your work and and I've saw that online you've got the most beautiful beautiful um room where you you sort of like you, you see clients and so yeah t- tell people a little bit more about that
1: <laughs> yeah uh, well so I worked in the NHS um after training so I qualified in 2000 and um, I had many many happy years in the NHS and I'm a big believer in the NHS and really you know, believe in psychology provision within the NHS. Um, But for a number of reasons, I was finding it more and more stressful, really. And I was finding that I was less able to work in the kind of way that I wanted to work, that I felt was the right way to work with people, the right way to work with teams, just because of the constant kind of pressure and the financial struggles within the NHS. Um, certainly within mental health services, because actually my experience of cancer treatment was actually quite different. Um, So yeah, so I started dabbling in a little bit of of private therapy work and found that I really enjoyed it. Having got to a very senior level in the NHS, actually that meant I didn't do much therapy work. So actually it was really nice to um, connect with those skills again and find that actually, you know, that is why I went into the role and and I still found it really rewarding. Um, and so then, yeah, gradually, I sort of started to de- develop things outside of the NHS and finally decided to leave in 2019. Um, and so, yeah, now <clears throat> I have a practice with a range of, of, of different types of work. So I have a couple of days where I, I see clients for therapy. I also have some associates who work alongside me who can take other referrals because I've always got far too many referrals than I can actually see. Um, and then I also do some work as an expert witness. Um, I also do coaching and supervision of other psychologists. Um, and I do some work with businesses and organizations around employee wellbeing. So it's a really nice range of work. Um, and yeah so I'm I'm very very happy and as you say yes I've now got my my garden office which is a shepherd's hut um in which I see clients which is just a lovely space um
0: it is I, as soon as I saw it I was like wow I've not seen anything like that before <laughs> I bet you that just at, at each morning when you get to go out to that, that I bet you that is just it's the most lovely thing yeah it it
1: separates work from home that little bit. um Yeah,
0: and that's hard, isn't it, to do nowadays? You know, working yeah. from home, and, and so many people do it now. It is hard to when you finish for the day. It's kind of like, oh well, you're still at home, so yeah, just <laughs> the line get drawn. Whereas with you, at least you've got a space that you know. It, it must be a relief for you, not not just your clients, to have that space to move away, almost from reality, and 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 that's the way. It obviously, where and it works well for you. So, yeah. yeah it's interesting that you've sort of when you said about the nhs that you've sort you've sort of seen both sides of Mm -hmm. the penny if you like haven't you so you've sort of worked at the nhs you know as you said it was great great you know organization to to be a part of and stuff but then when you were diagnosed with breast cancer you you turned from obviously employee to patient within the nhs so that obviously was like you know it your mindset and everything obviously shifted had to shift to patients yeah. as opposed to employee I imagine yeah yeah absolutely and I, I, I had had
1: some back issues about 10 years ago that had required surgery so I guess back then that was my other sort of longer period of being a patient if you like but um yeah it was a difficult transition um but um as I say, I've I've found the NHS cancer treatment to be really amazing. I've, I've had wonderful um, staff involved um, through, with my treatment throughout, um, and and I guess I think I'm quite different actually as a patient um, in that I've chosen to kind of really trust in my team and and try and let go of my usual approach with a kind of work hat on would be to kind of really research things to a lot of depth yeah and um you know to to kind of pull out what the evidence base is and you know to really feel skilled up in something um whereas as a patient I felt well I could go away and do a lot of that but I'm Probably still not going to know as much as the doctors and nurses <laughs> and other professionals that I'm seeing, and so I I just have to trust that that they're going to be giving me the the best treatment, um, and yeah. Um, yeah, just place my trust in them and and let myself off the hook that I don't have to go away and do all that research and feel like I've I, I, I'm I'm really knowledgeable on the subject.
0: Yeah. And I think I, that is uh, the approach that a lot of people take, isn't it? It's just no matter, you know, who you are, you sometimes just in, in any work, even if it's someone not affected by cancer, you sometimes have to place your trust in other people who just know better. And, and that's a hard thing to do, especially if you're quite headstrong, you're quite independent to then place your whole trust your whole life in someone else's hands that's what I used to say when I was having treatment is that my life's in someone else's hands Yeah, every decision made is a decision about my life and I found that really difficult actually I don't know about you but it, it is a hard sort of you know mindset to have that you know your trust your life is in someone else's hands and you've just got to trust that they're doing what's in your best interests really yeah.
1: Absolutely. And that's not to say that I didn't ask lots of questions and didn't sort of challenge my treatment team at times. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I
0: hope they know what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do. Um, so sort of when was your diagnosis when obviously you you talk about it now as if it's yeah. sort of something that's ongoing in your life, but yeah when, when were you sort of diagnosed and did you have many symptoms of breast cancer?
1: So I was diagnosed in 2019. So it was literally two weeks after I'd resigned from my NHS job, which oh, was wow. not great timing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'd, the, I think it was the previous year I'd had a lump on the other side. And um, when I'd gone to get that checked out, they said it was a cyst and it was you know drained straight away. And I knew that I was a more likelihood of getting another cyst because I've had one already. And so, although these changes I was noticing weren't like that, I kind of kept thinking, "Oh, it's just another cyst." And and kind of because I was so busy with work, putting off going to the doctor because it can be hard to get a GP appointment. And so, yeah, it, it took me a little while to to go and seek help and. um even when i went on the day like i didn't my i didn't ask my husband to come with me because i was planning to drive on somewhere from there so it, it just practically it made it more difficult for him to come along um but also because i just wasn't expecting that to be what was found um and um yeah so i was really shocked when after because uh, as well the um my mammogram came back clear and so I was thinking okay
0: that's that's fine then but then and that's quite natural to think that as well isn't it I mean yeah. you, again that trust thing you trust the mammogram you know thats that's what yeah. they're there for so that yeah again I, I, there's no reason why you wouldn't think that everything was going to be okay yeah
1: and then um the doctor examined me and then she said oh I want to do uh, uh is it an ultrasound they do at that stage and, yeah, she was chatting away to me and it all seemed very relaxed. Um, but then by the end of that appointment, she said, I'll be very surprised if this isn't cancer. So I was almost given a diagnosis on that first visit, which was just a complete shock.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And I suppose for your husband as well, he, he obviously you left the door saying oh I'm just going for a, a yeah. check-up and then you had to come well, did you come back and deliver the news or did you call him or um no I came back um because I was supposed to be staying
1: away for a few days actually on a, on a on a work thing um so when I arrived back he kind of immediately knew something that something was wrong um and I'd kind of managed to hold it together in order to sort of drive home but then kind of broke down in tears when telling him
0: yeah I can imagine um and was treatment sort of was that explained to you sort of what treatment would be like and whether you needed to start straight away or
1: not at that point that sort of came came later after the biopsies etc yeah um but yeah I mean it was you know fairly quick that I was in for surgery was my my first stage um Uh, So I needed to have a mastectomy um, and then chemotherapy, radiotherapy. Um, So, yeah, I had some sense of what was to come, which was, you know, I really needed that. I'm I'm someone who likes to be planned and organised. So that couple of weeks when I didn't know what was going on was really difficult. Um, You know, I didn't know was I going to be able to continue working I really needed to because I just left the NHS and you know so I didn't have the nice sick pay that you get in the NHS um, so yeah we felt we felt ha- happier once we had a, a plan although it's obviously still hugely scary.
0: Yeah and that is sometimes the hardest part of cancer treatment is and and just the whole cancer journey on you know as one is that you know the fear of the unknown the fear of you know is the treatment going to work what comes if that doesn't work what, what happens next where am I at time scales and sometimes yeah. your team your medical team can't give you those answers and for someone as you said who likes to be organized likes know what's yeah. going on that's really hard as well so it can almost seem sometimes like a bombardment of information but not the right information you want something which is planned maybe on a time scale whereas it sort of just comes at you thick and fast yeah
1: and and before being diagnosed I didn't know there were so many different types of breast cancer and different types of treatment um so yeah that was all a lot of information to take on and I remember one of the nurses in my appointment once saying um because I you know I was very tearful and she said oh I think we've given you enough information today. Um, You know, it's obviously very upsetting. And I said, no, no, I need the information. It is upsetting, but I need the information. And that will help me actually to feel less anxious and to be able to then plan things moving forward. Um, So, yeah, I guess that was a time when I did sort of challenge the decision not to give me any more information at that point because I knew that was what I needed, even though it was upsetting. yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely I think that's understandable as well and as you said it's challenging but in a really nice way it's like no I've I'm telling you as a patient I need the information to to me to get my head around it and sort of at what point did you think actually hang on a minute I can turn my feelings and my emotions into something to help other people and that that I suppose that first spark for you oh I'm gonna write a book on you know coping with breast cancer where did that fit in (laughs) um well it was strange I was
1: I I was awake at night at one of the very early days probably in the first couple of weeks of being diagnosed and you know struggling to sleep it was all going through my mind and I just had this urge to write it down and you know, that is often what I would, would tell my clients is, yeah, if if, it's, if you've got stuff going around in your mind, try and write it down and then go back to bed. And, you know, so I got up and I just went to my laptop and I just started writing about my experience to that point. And yeah, I found it really helpful, quite cathartic. Um, and yeah at the end of i think i wrote you know like maybe a couple of a couple of pages of text and then I, at the bottom i wrote i wonder if this could be a book and so i had the idea at that point because yeah i found myself writing about my experience but I, also it was then that i was starting to think okay i'm really going to need my psychology skills here to help me through this and um yeah so the idea of the book was was born I said to myself, right, I must keep writing then. I didn't. (laughs) Uh, So I had a whole lot more work to do once I did decide to write the book. But um, actually when I went back to that first paragraph, which I or first couple of pages, which I thought, oh, it'd be rubbish. But actually when I went back to it, I thought, actually given the state of mind I was in, this is not too bad. And I'd managed to inject some humor into it as well. And uh, yeah, so I was actually quite pleased with that bit of writing that I'd done
0: yeah and what did your did you tell your family that you were doing this or was this something that you kept quite private and personal to you once I came to write it I did tell them but I didn't tell anyone about my
1: idea for the book for for quite a while um so how that came about was um yeah this is another piece of work I forgot to mention in the beginning so I do some work for one of um, the psychology professional organisations, the Association of Clinical Psychologists. So I was on their board of directors um, and now I do some sort of consulting work for them. Um, But uh, the ACP had partnered with um, Sequoia Books, a publishing um, firm, and they were looking for ideas um, for, for books and so i had this idea in my head but i was thinking no, no one else will think that's a good idea um you know there's lots of very clever people here in this meeting you know i'm, I'm not going to say my idea because i'm sure they've all got much better ideas than me um and i think we left it that we were going to email in suggestions and so i sat on it for a while and then i emailed in my suggestion And the response from both the um, ACP director involved and um, the publisher was, this is a great idea. Um, And then I suddenly started to think, well, actually, it could be a whole series of books because there will be other clinical psychologists who have been through other kinds of life events and challenges and illnesses who would also be able to reflect on their own experience as well as their professional skills. Um, so I'm now the series editor for for the series, so my book was first, and then we've got um, one coming out on trauma, and uh, lots more titles to come. So yeah, it's been an amazing thing to be part of.
0: You've kick-started something here, <laughs> haven't you? And uh, Does that give you like a newfound confidence? Because I would be absolutely chuffed with myself if I <laughs> kick-started something like this, because you know, as you say, there's so many different life events that people go through and cancer is a huge one. And obviously that's what we focus on at moving, moving against cancer battle. But yet yeah, trauma is another one, like, you know, bereavement of a very close family. I think these are all things that are huge, huge life events that, that go on. So, yeah so do you feel like really proud of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah and it's and, and I feel really proud
1: of all the authors actually as well and it's such a pleasure being involved in re- reading all their books both in terms of hearing about their experiences and um yeah how that how they've sort of got through it and yeah I think I'll be I'll almost be more proud when I see their books coming out than my own maybe because uh Yeah, when when my own book came out, it it was great, but it was also really scary to share such a personal story. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously in my therapeutic work with clients, we tend not to share very much about ourselves. I mean, I'm not a a therapist who's a completely closed book at all, but yeah, it was still kind of scary to know that this very personal stuff was going to be out there.
0: Did you share this at all with your medical team who are looking after you? Did you say, look, I've used this experience and and, and here's my book, basically? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've sent it,
1: sent one a copy to them, but I've not heard back. So I, I sent it to my consultant and he's based in two places. So I wonder if it may have got lost between the two. But yeah, I might need to physically go in there and give them a copy.
0: I wonder if they'll use. You know, I, I always think that medical. Co- prof- obviously, I'm I'm not medical professional, but I'm just I'm just sort of thinking. You know, in their world, that mm. they probably really enjoy hearing patients' experiences, especially something as detailed as your. Literally, it's in a book. It's there. It's it's in front of them, and I just wonder if you know that ever changes there you know, their mindset, their approach to things. And is that something that obviously may have been in the back of your mind when you were writing that this actually could shape the way that breast cancer is treated in the future, how that patient sort of, you know, patient consultants or patient nurse, patient doctor relationship, how that that seemed different. Was that ever in your mind as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, there were a couple of points where I felt my emotional needs weren't perhaps considered or were were judged a bit and so I just really wanted to yeah let let professionals know that actually this is the kinds of thoughts and feelings that people are likely to be having and this might be the response that would be more helpful um so yeah absolutely if it can sort of um give an additional insight and 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 some pointers for for professionals um absolutely that would be a great outcome um and you mentioned sort of my family earlier um so my husband and i've got two teenage boys we agreed that they weren't going to read the book um because we felt it would be too painful for them and you know there were things that i didn't share with them at the time because i knew it would be too painful um so we agreed they wouldn't read the book um but i really hope the book can help other partners families um, of people going through through this journey so that um you know not to say that my experience will be the same as everyone's experience absolutely not Um, but there might be some some things in there that might give them a bit more insight into what their loved one is going through
0: yeah, I was. Li- you literally just took the words out of my mouth there. I, I did wonder if maybe you know someone who was a fa- fem- family member or a friend, and um, or even a carer of someone who is going through um, breast cancer, if they would maybe find comfort in reading it because sometimes I think. The thing that family and friends struggle with the most is knowing what to say and what's the right thing to say, what's the wrong thing to say. Or sometimes it's not saying anything at all. Sometimes it is just being there and being present or maybe it's given space when when space is needed. Yeah. And it's, You know, sort of did that obviously frame the way you sort of told the story almost so that it was obviously very honest but it also was you know sort of almost directional of like this is what you need at certain times like d- does that sort of make sense
1: it does yeah i mean I, I don't think i wrote it with that intention necessarily but i guess that's maybe how how it might be read um yeah i've got sections on things like um when people say things that aren't so helpful and gave some examples of that um but yeah hopefully i've shared you know how friends and family did support me and and that can sort of model for other people what what they might find helpful um and yeah certainly one of my closest friends who I did share a lot with once she read the book she said now I've read it I can understand why you were thinking and feeling some of some of the things that you 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 experienced but she said I didn't know at the time you know from my perspective it's because it was so difficult to to share um and um yeah so even for someone who was very close to me she still learnt a lot about what was going on for me internally through reading it
0: yeah i i I can imagine so and i think it's nice that you did sort of have the conversation with her that she could read it and she's now got a bit of a clearer insight and Mm. and i suppose that's how you know that will work in favor in terms of other things like we mentioned before like trauma and like these things do happen in people's lives and there may become a point where you need to support her through something or she again needs to support you through something that and maybe now by reading the book, you will you will both have a clearer understanding of how you better can support each other through a huge life event yeah, definitely. And something that you let me get this right. So something that you do focus on a lot, and something that you use in your day to day work as well, um, as a clinical psychologist, is the ACT and um, that the ACT thing. So it's acceptance and commitment therapy. Tell me a little bit more about that in your own words, because um, it's something that crops up a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So. Yeah, in in thinking about how I was gonna write the book and reflecting on what skills I've used, I realized that actually it was was the skills from Acceptance and Commitment Therapy that I was drawing on the most. And so what this is about is it's about really normalizing uh, painful, difficult emotions as part of the human experience. So in society now, we've got a lot of messages about you've got to think positive and you've got to be happy and this is saying, look, that's not what the human experience is like. We, you know, we experience some really difficult things and a natural tendency can be to kind of push that stuff away. Um, but with ACT, we encourage people to really connect more with those feelings, to really accept that that's the that's the experience they're having right now. And to think about what's going to be most effective for them moving on from this. So our emotions can often kind of pull us around in in different directions and we can get caught on automatic pilot doing things without really thinking about why we're doing them or whether it's helpful for us. And that can lead us into patterns of being that that actually are are self-defeating and we don't like the outcome, but we keep doing the same thing. And so this this approach encourages us to think about what's important to us. What are our values? How do we want to show up? How do we want to be in this particular situation? And therefore, what is it going to be helpful for me to do from here? Shall I try and give you an example of all of that? Because it's some quite complex ideas. Yes,
0: yeah, go for it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, So for example, maybe in the early days of my diagnosis, I could have been crying 24 seven, or I could have been completely pushing it away. Not thinking about it, carrying on my daily life, not allowing myself to go there at all. Okay. But probably neither of those options are going to be terribly helpful for me. Yeah. So what I did was I allowed myself some time to really connect with it, to really be upset, to really think about the worst case scenario, to, you know, sit with my husband and just cry together. Um, but once we'd sort of (laughs) done that to a good degree, um, I then focused to, okay, now I want to kind of get on with my life again, what's simple, you know, for this next day or whatever, what's important to me? Well, what's important to me is maybe doing some work and feeling effective at work. What's important to me is connecting with my children and having fun with them and so maybe that's what I do for the next next hour or two maybe I go and do some work emails feel like I'm keeping on top of stuff maybe when the kids get home from school I you know chat about their day help them with some homework play a game and that's not to say that all these unpleasant thoughts and feelings will have disappeared during that time absolutely not. You know I'm still aware that all that stuff is there but I'm bringing my attention and bringing my energy to what's important to me.
0: I love that (laughs) I think that was a great example thank you and that is something that can be applied to anything really can't it so it doesn't matter whether you've got cancer or whether you've not it's whatever's going on in life that can be applied to and I think that's that's really a brilliant way of thinking and I think that's something that a lot of people don't so it's either one or one extreme or the other for a lot of people and it's just about finding the happy medium of accepting as you meant that you said but then also having fun with it and just sort of yeah doing things that still keep you ticking over and keep you you um and and did you sort of obviously you mentioned about like you did work emails and things that was your way of you know. accepting and, and moving on from from what you the, the emotion maybe when the emotions got too much did you work throughout your your treatment or yeah I did I did pretty much um
1: so I was I mean chemo was the kind of most difficult time to to work but I was having uh chemo sessions every other week and I tend to have a week of feeling pretty rubbish and then a week of feeling okay so I just worked in my week of feeling okay um and yeah i uh, so with my therapy clients i was very open about what was going on because obviously it was going to be you know, there were going to be physical changes that people would be able to see um and i gave them the option of um i could help them to find somebody else or they could stay with seeing me but acknowledging the fact that there might be times when I need to cancel at short notice if I don't feel well, or you know, my concern as well was always, can I be present enough to be w- really with the person in the room? And and um, so I encourage people to tell me if if they were concerned that I wasn't being the kind of therapist that they needed. Um, and yeah, um, all of my clients chose to stuck with me, which I was I was yeah really um, touched by.
0: Um, lovely
1: isn't it yeah and we learned to kind of um you know of course they were concerned about me and wanted to know how how I was and so I would share some of that with them but only very briefly so that we could make sure the session was about them um and um yeah and then I um with the work that I was doing with the ACP a lot of that was online um you know remote working um and a lot of um stuff that didn't involve meetings so that was really nice and really flexible so I could I could work that around um when I felt felt well enough to work so yeah I mean you you know um uh my work's always been important to me you know I find it very rewarding and I guess it's you know a big part of my identity so I didn't want to lose that altogether and you know people would often say oh how on earth are you you doing that when you're going through this but to be honest you know when I was in a room with a client my head was with them and their stuff and that was a nice distraction from my stuff too. Yeah, I can
0: imagine. Uh, And it's, it's keeping the normality, isn't it? So this is something I say, people are probably sick of me saying this, but it's something that I feel really strongly about is that cancer is only part of your life. It's not your whole life. You are still you, you, you are not Sarah with cancer. You are Sarah and, you know, and that is the same for anyone. And I think that, this taboo of when you've got cancer you just need to shut yourself away and and accept that you're ill and and let people wait on you I think that need that's still something that is there and it needs changing because you know people will listen to this and think gosh you know Sarah she's worked through all the treatments and thing, and that's amazing and it is amazing like not taking anything away but it's that was something that you could do and you were able to do despite having cancer. And I think that to of she shouldn't have been doing that. Like that was too yeah. much. Just it needs removing because that is your normality, that is your routine, that is that is your life. And it just so happened that cancer became part of that, that yeah. life. Um, but it, it wasn't everything. It cancer's not all consuming if you don't let it be. That's the way I look at it. Um and yeah. I think what you said is perfectly demonstrates that that you can live well with cancer
1: yeah and it might be that actually if work isn't rewarding for you then you may well not want to work and that's absolutely fine too but it's going with that idea of yeah what's important to you what's going to be effective in helping you to cope as well as you can through through something like this
0: yeah and I think that's just really refreshing for me to see you obviously you did you know you chose to to sort of live the way you wanted to live through cancer which for me is really empowering to see and it's very inspirational to see um so yeah like thank you obviously for, for sharing that so something else that's important to you sarah is exercise and physical activity uh so just yeah how did you sort of incorporate that into you know, your your cancer journey and, and maybe since you've recovered from cancer, what how, how have you incorporated that into your life as well?
1: Yeah, so I mean, firstly, just to say, you know, I've never been a sporty person at all. And I kind of have always tried to do a bit of exercise, you know, just because I know I should, and because I might want to try and tone up a bit, you know, it's often more about the way I looked before I had cancer. Um, but yeah it's, it's really become an area that's about my self-care and um so I think you know whilst I was going through treatment I would try and get out regularly for a walk I've got dogs so that helps but my husband's always happy to walk them so I don't have to to go out but I would try and and do a walk even if it was just a short walk around the block um and Yeah, I'd always find getting out in the fresh air really helpful. Um, I could try and bring some of that mindfulness practice to try and have a mindful walk, you know, noticing the environment and noticing, you know, how it felt to to walk step by step. Um, And then once I would sort of finished my treatment, um, I did um, the couch to 5K, which again, I'm not a runner at all, but it was a really nice paced way of um, getting, you know, uh, uh, building up my cardio. Um, So I did that with a friend, which actually really built our relationship and uh, which was a really nice outcome from it too. Um, And then I decided, right, I'm gonna join a really nice gym now. So that uh, a place that's got a nice pool and a kind of sauna and stuff. So um, this can be kind of my place to chill as well as to exercise. And yeah, I have been going religiously ever since. Um, so I try and go four or five times a, a week. Um, and um I love weight training, that's my favorite thing to do, but I do, do um spinning as well to get that cardio in. And actually I've met a really nice bunch of of women through the spin class, which is really nice as well. Um but yeah, just building up that strength really gradually and because I've had all the lymph nodes removed um, in my right side. I have to be really careful with the weights and build it up very, very gradually. Um, But it's just become so important for my mental health as well as my physical health. And just that process of becoming stronger again has just really helped me to feel strong mentally as well as, you know, I think now I'm stronger than I've ever been at the age of 51. Um, So I'm, yeah, quite proud of that.
0: <laughs> How wonderful that you've sort of discovered a new love for something and it's something that's social and you find fun because I think that's something that, we need to sort of the, the world needs to learn is that exercise doesn't mean a chore, it doesn't mean you know going to the gym and hammering out a, a session, you know, that that literally leaves you or like gasping for breath on the ground movement that's what i always use the word movement movement can yeah. be anything you want to be it can be incorporated into your daily life it can be social and it's fun and it's so good for not just your physical health and your mental health and especially for cancer patients as well It again it gives you that normality back It's something that you can do to almost take control because did you find sort of when you were going through cancer that your control almost seemed like it was lost and you were sort of searching for something to yeah finds a way that you could take back some control over your life yeah definitely yeah yeah and working out has really helped with that yeah and do you think like it's something that you will continue now like it's just that's part of your life and you will that is just how you see it like it's something you enjoy so much you can just see doing it for years and years
1: yeah yeah absolutely I, I can't see not not doing it now I think the big difference was when I started and I joined the gym, and I knew I had to take things slowly. So I was going more little and often, rather than just going a couple of weeks and trying to, as you say, trying to do as much as possible. I was just going little and often. And I think that process of going more than I wasn't going, it just became then more of a normal habit that I made time for rather than excuses not to go. Um, yeah, so each day, I'd be thinking, okay, when can I fit in the gym today? And yeah, that, you know that having gone through the cancer journey and knowing that I really needed to um prioritize my own my own self-care, you know, whereas as a working mum, you know, often sacrificing your needs for looking after everybody else and 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 working and things. So yeah, it just became something that I prioritised and um made room for rather than um yeah finding ways to duck out of it. And having just I so I, I couldn't go for about the last two and a half weeks or so um because I've had this awful cold that's been doing the rounds so I'm just yeah. really struggling to shake it and felt a lot of fatigue and uh yeah despite feeling rubbish I was still chomping at the bit to get back to to the gym but I knew I, w- I needed to be kind to myself and and uh not go back just yet and give myself a bit more time to rest and recuperate. But it was great to get back for the weekend, although I am now feeling it.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like you found something that really gives you purpose and it and yeah. it is a really positive change, like it's a positive habit to have and, and it's a positive sort of addition to your life, I suppose, you know. Yeah. that's the, the the vibe I'm getting from you definitely.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's been times of challenge with it as well, like um when I've had had to have various surgeries along the way. Um, then it's been hard when that's sort of set me back. And so I go go back to the gym and I've got to kind of, you know, reduce the weight again, reduce the reps again, and and it, it can feel a bit frustrating sometimes. But um yeah, I've just noticed when those thoughts and feelings are showing up and yeah, that's understandable. It's disappointing that I've gone back from where I was. But, you know, let's focus on what, what matters to me and what matters to me now is is getting exercise. And, and uh, so
0: I'm going to keep on doing it, even though those thoughts and feelings are there oh that's excellent to hear and uh, yeah thank you thank you for sharing that that's honestly it's really really positive to hear that did cancer teach you anything and I know that's probably a really weird thing to ask but but did you learn anything from it like did you surprise yourself like yeah did did you let it teach you anything I think
1: yeah I think I surprised myself in terms of um you know how I think I did did cope you know, it was always it was always an illness that I'd really feared. And um, I talk in the book about how I really struggled with the idea of the mastectomy. And I couldn't even look at line drawings of women having had a mastectomy that's in the kind of information booklet. I, I just couldn't. So, yeah, I surprised I've surprised myself in how I've, how I've you know, got from that place <laughs> to, to where I am now. Um, You know, I suppose I didn't feel like I had any kind of real light bulb moments in terms of, you know, this is how I want to live my life now. But it was just it's just been small incremental changes, I would say. Um, You know, I'd already recognised having having resigned from my job that actually my job had you know was had got to a stage where it didn't feel healthy for me. So I'd already made that really big decision. Um, and you know recognized that I wanted to be able to spend more time with the children and things. Um, but I think it has enabled me to live more in the moment. Um, again, that's a, another uh, key aspect within within act is to really you know ground yourself in the present moment um you know i think it's probably helped me to be um more assertive about what i want and don't want um you know and to let go of things if they're not working for me you know i'm thinking about you know work related stuff but also maybe um relationships friendships you know um because of you know the kind of job I do I guess sometimes you can be drawn then into into friendships where you're being the supporter again um and so I've been quite mindful I think of well who was really there for me when I needed them and you know if there are some some relationships that are more one-sided then I can let them go or I don't need to prioritize them and I can prioritize the relationships that are really um you know, uh, reciprocal and, um, you know, working for me.
0: I mean, that's brilliant advice, actually. Um, <laughs> and I suppose sort of building on on what you've just said about finding what's important in, to you, whether it's, you know, work in a work point of view or, or at home, family life, friends, oh. that kinds of things. Would you ever sort of, cons- do you think maybe your, Career-wise, you ever think about writing another book, or, or you know, I don't. I that that might sound silly because obviously you've been there, done it, and you put it in a book and and tell with people. But do you think you've got this newfound sense of empowerment of wow, I did that, and I've written a book, and that could be something that you do prioritize and that's really? important to you? Or yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I actually, as hard as it was at times, I did really enjoy the writing process. Yeah. And I, I was fortunate enough, felt like it just flowed out of me, really. Um, I expected to hit a lot more kind of obstacles and writer's block and whatever, but I didn't find that. And so i i it did leave me with the with the feeling that I wanted to write more, but i don't know what the next thing is
0: (laughs) that's a very good answer yeah and hopefully like you know it won't be something like a huge like life event yeah yeah. that that leads you on that path but I think like from from reading the book myself like there's you've obviously got a knack for it and and it is something that's very natural and stuff so I think yeah it's it's Maybe can support you on the path of being an author and <laughs> whatever way that may be. Um, and so, yeah, my, my final sort of point or question, I suppose, is: What would you tell? I love asking this. What would you tell yourself? So, if you could speak to yourself mm-hmm. right now, when you were first diagnosed, and there was so many emotions, so many uncertainties, it was scary. It was what? A piece of advice would you give to yourself to sort of reassure yourself, almost? I think just you know you you will get through this. You've
1: you know you've got the strength to do this, but also you've got a lot of really good support around you. Um, And because that's what I was blown away by actually was was how many people stepped forward to support me, to support my husband, support my children in all different kinds of ways. Um, So it's kind of a you know you've got this, but you've also got people who've got you.
0: Oh I love that and that really sort of hits home for me like when I was going through treatment like everyone just rallies around me and and that you just can't beat it can you um, and yeah I think that, that's a really lovely piece of advice um, but yeah thank you so so much for you know obviously I know that's we, we've delved into some really deep stuff there but yeah thank you so you've taught me so much actually um and yeah it, it's just been really eye-opening to to sort of see a different perspective on things um which has been really refreshing um and yeah i hope you hope you've enjoyed it yeah thank you it's been my pleasure yeah thank you thanks again for listening to the move against cancer podcast you can subscribe to the show on our website movecharity.org on apple podcasts and spotify please don't forget to give us a five-star review on the app if you enjoyed the show and thank you once again to our guest dr sarah swan we'll be back soon for another episode